that was the illustrious and very talented Debbie the Artist performing their song live in Greensboro, North Carolina called Again. And at the end of this podcast, you can hear their song Sacred Heart. To keep up with them and their performances, you can follow them on Instagram at Debbie.TheArtist. Hello, gods and goddesses and all other spiritual beings in between. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're having a wonderful day and not letting anyone take you off your center. You are now listening to A Journey with an Urban Priestess. I am Orchid Chamblay. I am an artist originally from North Carolina, and this is my short story poetry podcast. Every week for the month of February, I will be sharing one poem and one short story. Perhaps in the future, I will have guest writers if I continue to do the podcast and you all enjoy it. But for now, it is all my writing. I will be starting off with the first of a trilogy of pseudo-autobiographical short stories based on my time living in Phoenix, Arizona. This podcast is not appropriate for children. There will be explicit language and also inherently there will be esoteric beliefs because that is my spirituality. So if you do not like that or you are not in alignment with that, then you should stop listening. But I hope you stay. So without further ado, let's get into it. Lately, I've been receiving, you know, divine guidance through numerology and the universe has been telling me to pay attention to home with the number six and four. So six path number, your life path number represents love, family, home and life and the, the caretaker, which I can definitely relate to. Um, I do have a propensity to want to take care of everyone. Um, I'm a lot. I'm very motherly, and one of my friends even calls me Mama Magda. So I can understand that, and also just wanting to make sure that my family is taken care of without me, you know, that the universe is protecting them. Um, It also talks about light work. So and charity work. And so if you see the number six, the universe might be telling you, you need to give back. You need to give to others. And then four is, connects the mind, body, and spirit with the physical world of structure and organization. So it talks about safety, security of home, strength of foundation, and strength in your values and your being. A lot of times I feel, especially as someone with, you know, kind of different spiritual beliefs or spiritual beliefs that are hard to verbalize. Um, and just knowing my power 
and being confident in my power and being confident in my connection with my ancestors and with the universe and my spirituality and knowing, you know, these are divine messages. This is God's love and this is your path. And people will try to make you feel like it couldn't be or that you're, you know, talking, you know, quote unquote crazy. And it takes a strong person to say, and be convicted. Like, no, I have my own relationship with the universe and I know what I'm saying and this is my foundation. So just having that strength and also um, feeling safe at in your home. Sometimes you go through things that might, you know, shake you up, but you are safe, you are protected, you are watched over, uh, you know, keep praying and you know saging your home and surround I surround my home in crystals and you know do whatever you need to do to protect your home but know that you are divinely protected and you are divine with those affirming words in our hearts and our subconscious let's move on to the poetry segment Coming home. People like you make it easy to come home to. The cicadas perform symphonies. The anxiety clears and I am invited to breathe deep. You are safe, my dear. The nefariousness of the world is hidden from sight. Dance in the cool breeze. Run your fingers through the trees. Let the ivy crawl up your legs. Mother me till I feel the safety of the womb. Now for the meat and potatoes, as they say in the South. The first story of the trilogy, Maud. As I lay dying, <laughs> just kidding. Merely pondering my unfortunate present circumstances at a Taco Bell. I had been in Phoenix for a month. My money was down to its skivvies, and I had one prospect for a home. This hoarder's hole I had found myself in filled with oddities, like 1950s hair salon chairs. Ghastly. More interestingly, the tenant Lillian had a VW band, from the 70s. I couldn't go back to the hostel. You know what they say about guests who have stayed too long. They start to smell. And honey, you add the unbearable heat I was starting to reek. Also, although I made surprisingly strong bonds with some of the female travelers, shout out to the sweet baby angel who left me a joint and heartfelt letter from Australia, I was tired of seeing people coming and going, living carefree, traveling lives. And I, on the contrary, was a homeless wreck of anxiety. So I packed up my stuff and started to Airbnb, which got terribly expensive. At first I stayed in a room made out of shipping containers a very artistic space with a fence made out of old bicycle tires. 
two cars from the 1950s in the middle of the courtyard added to the bohemian aesthetic. It seemed magical. I would later discover it was run by a very selfish, money-hungry slumlord by the name of Darren, who was probably somewhere in Phoenix belligerently drunk in the company of a young woman who knows no better. Sad, pathetic. I hope he gags on his own saliva if he ever reads this. Anywho, being avaricious, he overpriced the Airbnb, so I had to leave. I bounced around from Airbnb to Airbnb while starting my first year at Arizona State University. Why didn't they provide me with emergency housing, you may ask? Well, they were working on it. One night, a new friend, James, who I couldn't tell if he was into me romantically or just a really amiable man, invited me to volunteer at this vegan restaurant and have a free meal. I had met James while volunteering for Food Not Bombs, a decentralized organization that feeds people without homes a vegan spread once a week. I agreed to accompany him to the restaurant, and that's where I met Maud. Upon immediate introduction, Maud tells me, eyes full with sorrow, that she's depressed and bulimic. How she could really use a friend since she lives alone with her neuroses. How I need a home and she has a big one in which she lurks in the shadows waiting for her life to have meaning. Now obviously I am extremely weirded out by her candid vulnerability and quite frankly oversharing. Then doubt set in, reminding me of my predicament, exacerbating my fears. So I let the idea stay in the back of my mind. After all, how bad can an upper middle-aged white woman be? While looking for rooms to rent, I stumbled upon the hoarder's hole. Occupied by Lillian, who was eccentric and seemed nice enough. She was, however, visibly stressed and desperate to fill her two empty rooms. I decided to buy myself some time and paid to stay there for a couple of days. So there I was, lying in this very small room with an old, musty carpet. Today, I had to let her know if I wanted to rent the room. Well, it wasn't that bad. I could do anything for a few months or so. Fear. I hear the door open, then close. Hello, come on in. The room is this way. Lillian was showing the other room to a very sketchy-looking couple who seemed a bit too happy with the room. I was weary of them immediately. I decided to start getting ready and went into the bathroom. I opened the door, and there was Catchit in the bathroom sink. I covered my mouth and slammed the door shut. Oh, hell no, Lillian. Later, my mom would say that Kat was warning me. If I stayed there, all I'd be getting is shit in the sink. Hello, Carol? It's Orchid. How are you doing today? I'd like to take you up on your offer if you still want. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I just need someone to be around. We can go hiking and cook together. I just want to help you. 
I'm trying to do the next best thing, you know. Take life one moment at a time. This seems like the next best thing. Do you want me to come and get you now? I'm on my way. Arriving at Maud's, I couldn't believe my luck. Maud had a very spacious, meticulously clean, like a serial killer, 70s style home with a huge, clean but unused pool in her backyard, which had beautiful pink rose bushes encircling the pool and big, robust grapefruit trees with plenty of grapefruits for making fresh juice. The very first night I went for a nude midnight swim and thanked the universe for such a blessing, blissfully unaware of the lesson forming. Maud was not exaggerating about her neuroses. The woman could not sit down for someone who had no real obligations. Her brother took care of all her bills and bought her the house so she didn't have to work. She had ample time to harp on all her anxieties. She did not care if I was peacefully reading in my room. She would stand in the door and, with a worried look on her face, complain or overanalyze. I would kindly listen, although I usually had homework to do. Once she complained about me having to do schoolwork all the time and not focusing on her. These tantrums happened far too often for an adult and irked my nerves. I often tried to escape by going outside and tending to her garden or to smoke weed. Carol, being no stranger to substances, didn't smoke, of course, otherwise she would have probably not been so neurotic. She did, however, indulge in psychoactive prescription drugs. She popped like little candies. They didn't seem to be working. Maud was also addicted to exercising. The first evening, she took me to one of her frequented hiking trails. I almost died. We hiked for miles in the Arizona heat, but to see the city of Phoenix as just lights from a mountaintop was overwhelming. I had made it west, and it was breathtaking. Maud's best, and it seemed like only friend, was her mean parrot, BG. She had warned me before we got to her house that BG was extremely territorial over her. So much so that he masturbated on her hand as she held him to assert his dominance. She did not seem to be embarrassed by this at all and found it to be comical. I was disgusted. The parrot was allowed to roam the house freely walking about. He would sneak up behind me and squawk really loud to purposely scare me. He was definitely not happy with me staying there. He angrily pulled out his feathers as an act of defiance. I was scared he would peck my feet in anger as I walked. Over the next weeks, Carol's outbursts got worse and worse. The stress of taking care of her elderly parents was getting to her and she was starting to unravel. She would yell and scream and cry about all the problems in her life. She not only wanted me to console her, which I did every day, but also fix her life. But I am no counselor and she needed serious psychological help. No matter how much attention I gave her, she always wanted more and more like a succubus. Feeding off my life force, I was suffocating. I had to get out, but I was only working part-time at the Children's Museum and had very little money. 
I was back in my original predicament. As probably a form of escapism, I purchased Beyonce and Jay-Z on the run two tickets. Maude texted me several times in a row, which she did often, while I was at the concert. I ignored them, determined to enjoy myself. Towards the end of the concert, I got a call from Maude's brother. He has never met me, but apologizes for his sister's behavior. He explains that Maude was unstable and looking for comfort. Now that his parents' health is declining, she was really losing it and needs her space back. I can understand what he was saying, but I panicked on the inside. Where would I go? He graciously gave me some money as an apology on his sister's behalf. Ordinarily, I would have never accepted it, but considering I had to walk an hour from the concert just to get to a point where I could afford an Uber, I was in no predicament to turn down money. I got back to Maud's, tired and exhausted, but began to pack up my things. She stood in the doorway, looking pitifully, complaining about how she thought we would be best friends and spend all of our time together. My patience spent, I responded, why would you think that I barely know you. I have to provide for myself. She was hurt, but not dumb, and knew I was right. All I can hope for is that she got the therapy she so desperately needed. Thank you for listening to the first story of my trilogy, Maud. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you got something from it. I personally feel like Maud is a story of not trusting the universe and acting out of fear, which I can do sometimes. And then the universe has to show me, okay, this is not going to work out for you because you didn't have confidence in me. You didn't trust me. So trusting God, trusting yourself as a God, trusting your intuition and not acting out of fear is very important. So I feel like that's one of the biggest lessons of mod and there are several more. <laughs> um and I'm grateful for them and I'm grateful for you. So thank you everyone for listening. Have a wonderful week. Namaste.